Hey, I'm Andy. Hi, I'm Yanukwa. And we're the hosts for the Kings of Hearts podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back on to the Kings of Hearts podcast. This is Andy here. Happy to be here with you and to introduce to you our newest, latest guest. Her name is Erin Hinton. Erin is a mother, she's a wife, she's a daughter, and she is one of our closest friends, an ally in our mission at Kings of Hearts. Erin is a certified counselor. She is a relationship specialist. She also has done a ton of work and has experience in hypnotherapy, psychedelic integration. She has even, I believe most recently, started doing a lot of women's groups and women's gatherings. And so an incredibly important individual in our society, an incredibly important individual in the Kings of Hearts community as well. In this episode, we talk about men's mental health, navigating crossroads. We touch on childhood conditioning, programming. We allow the conversation to flow and go to, into different directions, such as trusting men again, doing the uncomfortable work and the importance of that. We talk about the nice guy persona, the costs of that, where that nice guy persona is developed and even comes from. And we also talk about the importance of having needs. Having needs is good and learning how to own that as a part of our journey. And we talk a lot about other great things as well, which I'm not going to give too much away. So thank you again for joining us. If you happen to like this episode, even if it's just 10 minutes in, make sure you give us a review and a rating on either Spotify or Apple Music. Okay, so before we get started, got to hang on to you guys just for one more moment. Take this time to update you on an incredible opportunity that has arisen for the KOH community. So if you're a man or if you know a man in your life that is looking for a men's group, who is looking for brotherhood, more accountability, more leadership, we are opening our doors and applications to Roundtable Men's Group. Now, this is a group that's been around for about two years now, and it was only exclusive to men who have completed our online course four-month journey called Council. But we decided recently that it's important to continue this work, offer up this service for guys all around. Whatever experience you have, whether it's with council or any other men's group or maybe no experience at all, and you're desiring connection, you're desiring a community, you're desiring a men's group, King's Roundtable is now open for you. So there's a link in the show notes for you to apply. It is a bi-weekly group. We meet online every two weeks and looking forward to receiving your application. All right. So that is all. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode on the King of Hearts podcast <laughs> with yours truly, Yunukwa, and my co-pilot, Andy. Andy, say hi. Co-pilot, we're going off this plane analogy real well. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? Awesome. And we got a special guest, someone who is very, very dear to our hearts. Her name is Ann Hinton. She is an absolute queen. We have... We've done so many things together. We've done King of Hearts events. We've had coffees. We've had chats. We've had drinks. You name it. And um, just the work that she does with men, 
um, a mother, a wife, an entrepreneur, a friend, a therapist. Like, I don't know what this woman doesn't do. And so um, she's been on our team in the background for a long time. And we just thought it was a really natural, beautiful progression to have her on the podcast. So I'm going to stop talking and just say, <laughs> say hi. And, and maybe, Aaron, if you just want to give our listeners, you know, a little, a little bit about you. Who you are, what you do, why you do what you do. The floor is yours. <laughs> Thank you, Nuqua. Thank you, Andy. You guys are so dear to my heart as well. I feel like we've traversed the cosmos and back together, past lives, mm. present lives, future lives. And here we are today. Mm. So thank you. Um, I don't really know what else to add to that introduction, Yunuqua, other than it is so common to introduce ourselves um, in relation to others, the roles we play and the relationships we have in our lives. You know, like you said, I'm a mother, entrepreneur, friend, wife, mom, therapist. I said mom twice. Um, And I think it's so interesting that that's how so many of us will first sort of connect and introduce ourselves to others is in the context of those relationships. Um, And I'm grateful Mm -hmm. to be here today with you all, my friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Let's take a breath together. Hey, thanks. Let's let's take a breath. Why not? As always, if you're listening, feel free to join us if you want. Let's, if you want to as well, you can close your eyes or you can leave them open. It's all good. Let's feel our bodies. Let's introduce into this space a little more of ourselves, starting with the breath, taking a big inhale in through the nose with me, out through the mouth. Let's do one more and allow the exhale to make a sound if you want to as well. Let's have some fun. All the way in. All the way out. Ah. 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 <laughs> cool. That, that felt good. Yeah. That's a, you know, it's as the as pilots, you gotta ensure that the 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 people on their plane, aka listeners, are all comfy. You're all comfy and you're all held and we got you. Right? Yeah. yeah. So Aaron, I, I had a, I had a question just like, I love what you said around like the way that we normally introduce ourselves, even sometimes even societal conditioning to be like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. Maybe I'll throw a different twist to this. How do you serve? Mm. How, do, how do you serve? Mm. Such a good question. And I think depending upon the day, I would have a different answer for you. (laughs) Perfect. Today. Um, How do I serve? I think um, just by being me. Mm. And so to be in service as I am, a lot of my own personal work is clearing the noise and the clutter and anything else that gets in the way from me being me. 
I love that answer. <laughs> Inuko, I think we should keep on asking this question and just like get a collection of amazing answers. And this is a, this is such an amazing start. And I, yeah, you know, me too. And I resonate with that a lot because if we're not who we, if not in touch with who we are, where are we serving from? Right? Are we serving from a mask, a facade, and a, an idea of an identity of who we want to be, but not who we actually are? That's such a potent transmission, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah, of course. It's it's easier said than done, though. Mm. You know, um, I spent a lot of time in the early years of um, the work I do in the mental health realm trying to be someone else, trying to do what I thought would be the most helpful, uh, whether that's a form of therapy, an intervention, a model, a persona. (laughs) Um, And I still struggle. You know, just a couple of days ago, I had a moment where you know, a question was asked of me and that voice came right back. That was like, as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to go online and I'm going to sign up for this course, or I'm going to do this, or I'm going to get a certification in that so that I can be, so that I can do, so that I can help, so that I can have less anxiety and feel that I'm, you know, doing my part and, and being of service. And so, um, it's taken a long time to get all, to get an understanding of, where that voice comes from, why it's there, how it's helpful and when it's not helpful and to know what activates it because it's not, it's not hard for me to convince myself that being me just isn't enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm letting that land. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're doing a disservice when we're not owning ourselves, being, feeling safe with ourselves and serving from that place, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, a lot of service providers early on in their journey navigate this. They navigate this piece of who do I need to show up as for this circle or for this men's group or women's group or for this client. And the answer, (laughs) I think that we're all coming to or onto the same page about is like that that answer is just as as ourselves today mm-hmm. and I, and how i relate to it is there i remember there was an instance where it was like 10 minutes before a coaching session with somebody and i had just finished screaming and crying because i had a trigger of some sorts and i remember the mind was like oh you can't no you can't you can't show up like this uh, you know you got to cancel the session or you got to reschedule it or and And I remember having another voice saying, no, like this is potent, like this is happening and the timing of it is just divine. So what if you just showed up as you are? So I showed up, I just like wiped my tears, eyes are still red, heart was still tender. And I showed up into this coaching session and it was one of the most powerful sessions we could have had for that person because my heart was wide open. I love that, Andy. And I love that you kind of stood at a crossroads there. Big time. Yeah. It, I mean, it's that, that congruence is so important though, you know, because, you know, when I first 
moved to Calgary uh, and, and got my first counseling job here, I convinced, you know, the agency I was working for to let me bring a bunch of teenage girls out to work with horses. Um, cause I was getting trained in equine facilitated counseling. And one of the first things, you know, we would talk about with the girls was how do you think you need to show up around the horses? And a lot of them would answer, Oh, we need to be calm. We need to be quiet. We need to be happy. And that's a common mis, you know, misconception with horses and with animals that you need to be calm. You need to be happy. But really what animals of prey are sort of primed to interpret is the sheep in, or the wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. You know, they can pick up on that incongruence because a coyote, you know, or a wolf is very stealth or like a bobcat, right? They're going to be looking very unassuming. They're not loud. They're moving slowly, but underneath there's an intent to harm. And so that's what they pick up on is the, I'm not okay, but I have to pretend that I'm okay. And as humans, I think we have, we have way more of an ability to tune into that than we give ourselves credit for and that we've really been taught. And so people pick up on that, you know, uh, and that I think honesty of just, you know, showing up as you in that moment gives so much more permission for everyone else to just be them. Of course we need to contain, you know, like, and if a girl showed up and she was distressed or angry, mm. we'd find a safe space for that anger, you know, and then she practiced naming it to the horse once she was able to be alongside the animal. And yeah, that congruence is just such an important piece. And I think if we, more of us showed up in more of a congruent way, there'd be like a collective, just like, <sighs> wow, that's amazing. I, I would imagine that you you remind or guide a lot of your clients or women and women's groups in this way, right? Like show up as you are, like congruency. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, sort of the environment in which most of us live, I would wager to say, and I'm generalizing here, is sort of hell-bent on, you know, keeping us small or, you know, um, sometimes feels required for us to show up in certain ways. And so I see a lot of apologizing for emotions, apologizing for anger, apologizing, you know, for messiness. Yeah. So there's that permission and invitation for sure. Wow. (laughs) You knew Chris just smiling there. No, this is this is really good. I'm just listening and just taking it all in. And I really love that piece on congruency. I can relate to that. And how many times have I played small? Um, yeah, because in that moment, the tape player was, I don't want anyone to see this side of Inuqua. You know, and sometimes even I can relate to being having like even even like with king of hearts being like oh like i'm the king like i, I need i need to da, 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 versus like i don't feel like being a fucking king today yes like how many times have i told andy that like i don't feel like being a fucking king this is exhausting you know and then <clears throat> excuse me and then only only to just sit with that and be like okay you know like own it you know, and 
and then and like and i guess this is the question that i'm throwing out to both of you is like at what point do we and i'll speak for myself because Unuko will be like okay great great pity party and back on the horse get back to work and here we go you know like how long do we do that for I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what's coming. That's what's alive for me as I sit here and listening to you guys talk. Yeah, I hear you like walking that line between permission to be human and then um, sort of that nurturing alpha energy to be like, and like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's both. You know, I, I I love that what you threw in the circle there, Inuqua. It's that dance, right? And, uh, you know, Aaron, you use the word congruency, you know, one term that I, that I like to exercise a lot is discernment. Mm -hmm. You know, is this, what is the moment? What does the moment call for right now? Does the moment call for, okay, a little bit more time in my feels and just to continue purging this, or does the moment call for feeling it five breaths and onwards and upwards, because this is what the moment needs. Right. And yeah, discernment. That's what comes through for me, Yanuqua. Great question. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna um I'm really gonna take that, Andy, that word, and I'm gonna sit with that for yeah. sure. Um, because it you're right. Dis- I mean, discernment, that inner check-in, that inner compass, that inner voice that knows what you need. Yes. But can be hard sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. I associate that. I associate the word discernment or the, the, the practice of discernment with, I actually oftentimes call it the sword of discernment and Mm. it's not the warrior's sword. It's the King's sword. Uh, it's a, it's a kingly archetype that I associate it with for me because it's the King that needs to pause for a moment and like really feel inside of him. It's like, what's good for the kingdom. What's good for the kingdom or what's good for the queendom if it's a queen, right? And, mm-hmm. and however, the sword of the sword of discernment for the warrior is a bit different. It's like, okay, now I go act. The warrior is more like, let's move forward with that. So please take the sword of discernment, Aaron, and do what you oh. want and do what you will with it. <laughs> oh, oh, you, you guarantee my clients tomorrow are gonna hear all about discernment. <laughs> yes. That- I'm going to pepper that shit in everywhere. Yeah. I'm going to take the sword of discernment. I'm going to put it on your right shoulder and your left shoulder. Boom. (laughs) Boom. And then off you go. (laughs) Yes. I I love these metaphors and these analogies, you know, actually the way that, um, you know, metaphor is the way I think, I think this is so fascinating and I had not really connected this until I went and did a training in hypnosis, but the subconscious speaks in metaphor. And so when I hear people use metaphors, I'm like, Ooh, 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 that's the deep, deep part of them speaking right now. If you're telling me you're drowning, you're telling me you're grasping any of that sort of language, right. That feels metaphorical or it paints a picture. It's like, that's when I'm really there. Cause that's, those are nuggets from the deep, deep wise unconscious. Huh? I never really made that connection before. And I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take that from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Receive that from you. Cool. Okay. Yeah. 
I want to um I want to circle back on something that you said a few moments ago, just around <laughs> the feeling the need to for some people feeling the need to apologize for their experience or for their emotions. Yeah. We get a lot of guys, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of throw a little bit of the men's worky stuff in here because a lot of our listeners are men uh, looking for support on their journey in this regard, emotional work, mental awareness, all that good stuff. And we, we get a lot of guys apologizing for the way they feel. And often, sometimes it's not through words, Literally, sometimes it's through body language. Like there's, they, you know, the guys are talking about their emotions and then they, yeah, they kind of, they kind of hide or their, their shoulders start to slouch um, or their, their, the tone or their speech changes from a place of uh, normality or they're going down to maybe a place of shame about talking about a certain thing. So in some way, the communication is, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't be talking about this. I don't know why. And so my prompt or i think maybe yeah my prompt for you is can you speak a little bit more to that like where did that what does that come from this apologizing for emotions and what would you say to like a like a man who is in that mm-hmm. it's interesting how body language can really like invite us in to the age, you know, that oftentimes we get brought to when we're feeling vulnerable or having a certain feeling. And yeah, I, I really commonly see the, the constriction of the throat, the um, almost the, the quickly trying to swallow and dismiss away the tears, hide the face, um, look away. I see a, a lot of men do the, the looking away um, type stuff. And I think, you know, where does it come from? It's complex. I think within all of us, there's this sort of, for lack of a better word, programming way of being that gets solidified early on, you know, zero to six years old is really where, um, our viewpoint of ourselves in relationship to the world gets, solidified and that's through implied messaging so it could be I'm angry and I'm ignored or I'm angry and I'm punished or I'm sad and I'm shamed or or I'm sad and a parent tries to move me through that sadness quickly too quickly Mm. um and so it only has to happen one time and it doesn't have to be explicit. You know, the messaging doesn't have to be, Hey, boys don't cry or your anger is uncomfortable for me. <laughs> um, it can really just be, cause we're so primed at that age. It can really just be, you know, a, ten- a-, a tensing of our parents' body or our caregiver's body or, um, you know, uh, language or energy that sort of comes around those feelings. So, um, that's sort of the framework from which I view that. And then you pile onto it, everything we see in media, everything we see from our friends, from our friends, families, you know, our own ideas of ourselves and what's okay and what's not okay. And so those very first steps I think are just around exposure, which I, you know, I've never been in one of your beautiful men's groups, 
but what I, what I imagine is there's exposure to witnessing other men, feeling their feelings, expressing their feelings, naming their feelings, being with their feelings. Mm. And then, you know, in that inviting the other men to sort of do the same. And that just creates that little neural pathway that says, Oh, a man can look at another man and express sadness or express anger or express whatever. Um, in a way that doesn't have to be apologized for or have any sort of maybe energy around. I don't know if that answered. That's incredible. No, yeah, it's uh, yep. exposure. You kind of nailed it there. You kind of nailed men's groups, I think. <laughs> uh, witnessing the witnessing in within itself is, yeah. is the healing, right? Unuqua? Like when a man, 100%. Is man, it's like, Oh, this is okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So true. You watch guys' eyeballs open up when you see one guy start crying and then you ask, and then you ask all the men, Hey, who can relate? And they all put their hands up, you know? And it's just like, yeah, dude, like you're not crazy. And it's also not meant to downplay what you're going through. It's just, we can all relate to you, you know? And something, and something Andy's really good at pointing out is like, Hey, guess what? Now you have six other guys next time you're feeling the way you're feeling that you can reach out to that have the capacity to hold you and know where you're at. And I, and I think therein lies the paradox of being vulnerable, of sharing, of not keeping it in the dark. Mm-hmm. Right. Because once one minute you thought I was the only one feeling it. And now, you know, you got seven other men who are like, yeah, man, I got you. I've been there. I know what you're going through. Yeah. And, and then you do that every single week. Mm-hmm. Two years. And yeah. you ha- now you have a new installed nervous system that exactly. is, hey, I can I'm a powerful man because I can mm-hmm. cry. Or I'm a Amen. powerful man because I can express and identify and name the emotion and have sp- create space for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. One of the one of the things I remember from one of our very first conversations. Um and this was really eye-opening for me as a woman who has deep, intimate relationships with other women. It never really occurred to me that a man might not feel safe with other men. And once, mm. you know, I heard both of you speak to that, I couldn't unsee it, mm. you know? And I started to really see that that was like a core of some of this was, you know, if that's not modeled, you know, a man as a safe emotional place to land or a man as a peer who's going through the same sort of stuff as you, uh, then where do you go with that? And I know you guys talk about the lone wolfing and the stuffing it in, figuring it out on your own or, or going to the women in your life and really like using that as your only place to feel or process or unload or yeah. So that's, beautiful. that's really good. Thanks for sharing that, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It changed everything for me. Changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. In, ter- in the way that I view the men in my life and relate to men and added like an extra layer of compassion. Yeah. Yeah. Some men, some men, and we've had a couple guys like this, they would walk into the circle or the journey with KOH. And they would state their intention. And some men literally would say, I'm here to trust men again. Yep. I'm here to learn to trust men again. 
Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. right. And he would, he would say right now, I don't have trust for any of you. Nothing personal. Yeah. But I want to heal this part. And that's why I'm here. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So powerful. We're getting to a point where some guys, yeah, some guys walk in knowing what they need. And then some guys walking in, not knowing what they need, but coming out the other end being like, wow, I didn't know. I didn't trust men. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I didn't know. Now I know. So there's also an element of discoveries for some guys too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, and as you're sharing Elsa, you and like the exercise that comes up for me is eye gazing, mm-hmm. having another guy hold eye contact with another man and, and I can recall reading a couple articles, also seeing it and experiencing it for myself of like, yo, like you, like some guys cannot hold eye contact with another guy. And it's like, man, like you're, like you're truly being seen now, especially if you have a dad wound, Mm -hmm. however that manifests itself, like to look into the eyes of another man and be met with compassion and love. Mm -hmm. It breaks some men. Like guys start crying some guys and like it, and maybe during the exercise they don't show anger, but like they reflect later. They're like, "I was angry," you know. And I can, I can remember when I first did it, and I'll come also go back to me. I remember doing exercise for the first time. What came up in me? I was like, "If he doesn't, <laughs> I was like, he better shift his eye gaze, or else he's gonna get hit." And that was my that was my athletic mask coming through, because. Again, you know, like playing sports, or whatever is like, yo, you want to, you want to hold eye contact? Hey, great. Here we go. We'll see who will be the first to flinch. Right. Or, you know, and only to be met with, and this is what I love about the nervous system is like, okay, like sitting with other men, eye gazing, trains the nervous system. Like, Hey, this man is not a threat. This man, we are sitting here in this space, looking into each other's souls. You can calm down, Uniqua. Yeah. And that in itself was therapeutic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because in theory, in theory, I think at least most of the men I know would be like, yeah, not all men are untrustworthy, you know? If, mm-hmm. you know, or yeah, I could see how I could get into it, but experiencing it yep. physiologically and overriding mm-hmm. that limbic system. Yeah. Or, you know, reprocessing what connection with a man can look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so here for all of that. I love that. Yeah. yeah so uncomfortable. Oh, so uncomfortable to do this sort of stuff. And here, and here, and herein lies the work, right? Because, mm-hmm. because, and, and, I'll, and again, I'll, I'll bring it back to myself because even to hold contact, the eye contact with another guy is a form of intimacy. Yeah. It is. An old Unico would have attached that to like, oh, like you only look into the eyes of a of your significant other, of a woman in my case, right? That's the only time you hold eye contact. Because mm-hmm. in otherwise, otherwise, and this was my experience, making eye contact with another dude who you didn't know brought on, and again, it comes back to my wounding as a child, brought on bullying. Brought, brought on that I was different, brought on you fill in the blank. So therefore you avoid eye contact. You don't make it because you don't know what it's going to bring, what it entails behind that eye contact. And so then how did I, how did I navigate through that? 
well, I'll play sports. And you know what I mean? And that was my mask. And <laughs> all I have to say, eye gazing helped break that narrative. So <laughs> I resonate with what you're saying, Yunuka. I was bullied for two years in high school because some guy thought I was staring him down. When mm. I was actually, I, so I've always had bad eyesight, but I'd never wanted to wear glasses. So I would just, mm. and I didn't have contact lenses. So I, I would always squint. <laughs> I would always squint. I'm like this guy's like squints, but he took it as this guy's staring me down. Mm-hmm. And he wouldn't let it off for two years. He wouldn't let it off. Grade 10 and grade 11. Uh, he would like, would walk down the hallway of the, the, the high school and he would just like shove me or he would, you know, gather a bunch of his buddies and intimidate me, you know, tell, tell me that they're going to kick my ass. All these things because he perceived my squinting <laughs> as, as intimidation, as uh, he felt threatened. Mm. Right? He felt threatened. Which is really interesting. And, and I don't know if it's like a, like it's, if it's like a, to me, it's like an unconscious warrior almost. It's like this, maybe a primal part of ourselves that, that is being activated in those moments, fight or flight, you know, in this case, fight. And mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know if it's wired in, in some epigenetics or not, but fuck, like it's, it can get really intense, that experience. Okay. Yeah. And those like unwritten rules that somehow we're all supposed to be privy to. Mm-hmm. and operate under at such a young age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I have a question. Does that happen for, for you, Aaron, with females? I, that's the- exactly what I'm sitting with right now. Like you read my mind. Hey. I'm nice. going, Fuck. Right. I, I can't imagine what it's like to really be a man. I mean, I try, I try and I don't like staying there very long because it, um, it's a lot. Um, and I'm just being really honest and, um, with women, you know, I, I it's funny cause I was actually having a conversation, you know, this might be something related to that. There's, there's this sort of uncon, I think it's unconscious, unconscious behavior that some women will do of sort of, looking a person up and down and it's Mm -hmm. received differently when they're, when it's a woman doing it to you um, versus a man. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course that perception would have to do with that individual person's programming and experience and all of that sort of stuff. But there's something very unnerving, you know, as a woman, when another woman does that to you repeatedly while you're talking to them. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was processing it afterwards because I didn't, there, there wasn't really a context with this particular person in which I felt uh, it would be appropriate or safe or received to have put out there, um, you know, how that felt, how I was interpreting that. Um, but afterwards, in, in kind of walking through that with a friend, we, we, it was interesting to see how the stories we made up about this person or this person, where she was coming from, what she thought about me, you know, all this stuff. And, that was helpful to the extent that then we dialed it back and it was like, you know, maybe it's a very, uh, maybe it is very unconscious and it's an insecure thing, or maybe it's a, she, my outfit was cute. Cause it was, or, you know, maybe, <laughs> yes. maybe eye gazing was uncomfortable 
for that person, you know, but they still wanted to look at me. So, um, I mean, that's one thing that comes up recently that I was, that I was sitting with and thinking about. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, you walk into a room and, you know, a, a bunch of women turn and look at you and look you up and down. There's a feeling of being sort of sized up. Um, and, and I try not to attach any, you know, messaging to that because, you know, my knee jerk reaction is already going to be doing that. And then it's going to be the work afterwards to be like, you don't really know what that was about, Aaron. And Mm. you keep doing you, uh, and I'd have to sit with that a little bit more and think if there's any other, um, sort of, you know, rules of engagement in female relationships that, would feel not functional or unconscious, primal, maybe even, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm actually re, uh, I mean, this is maybe a conversation for another time. I'm really, tr- I'm really reeducating myself on maybe what some of the misinformation about our primal urges and understandings hold, but yeah, that's probably a conversation for another day. <laughs> that's <laughs> cool. That's <laughs> cool though. It is cool. Yeah. Yeah, we got to parking lot that and, and revisit it at some point because yeah. I can jam on that for an hour probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I'm listening to you, Aaron, I, I think like it's funny how it's funny how our minds want to take over sometimes and insert a specific story to an event or to a experience that uh, that and having that story not may necessarily be even true, mm-hmm. but to have that story just be familiar. Yeah. Yeah, I attach a story just because it's familiar, not because it's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe that, maybe, yeah, that experience is getting close to a wound or a raw spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, that could be a full-time job. <laughs> I think for all of us, just uh, like challenging and being aware of and unpacking stories all day long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there are sort stories of. all day long. It's true. We can't av- we can't avoid it. It's there. It's gonna be there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not about it's not about not having any stories. It's about being aware of what stories are coming up and then seeing what is true and what is not. I guess. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of empowered choice. Yeah, that crossroads you found yourself at before getting on that zoom call after you were feeling some feelings, you know, but just mm-hmm. like slowing it down a little bit. So many stories in, oh, that was going through my mind in that moment, in that crossroads, sl- slowing it down and then leaning in. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I have a question coming up for me. So, well, first of all, do you serve a lot of men in your, like in your therapy containers? It goes in waves, yeah. you know, waves where I'll get, you know, quite a few individual male clients say the most common, um, uh, capacity in which I see men would be in the relationship and couples work that I do. So often it's within the context of, uh, of a relationship that I will work with men. Okay. Interesting. Yeah within that context, have you, have you noticed just serving men in, in relationships? Have you noticed like a, like in a pattern, mm-hmm. you know, like a common denominator and what, and what would that be? 
Okay. I actually like journaled a little bit about this in preparation because oh, I know cool. questions Unuqua said to me was like, you know, what's, yeah, what, like what's lighting me up or what am I seeing in men's work? Um, yes, there is a pattern. And, and thanks to, again, language you both have given me and things you've both shared um, over the course of our relationships, I've been able to like really understand it in such a different way. Um, so I guess one of the biggest patterns I would see is that nice guy persona. Mm. You know, when I finally got language around that and what I was seeing and why it was feeling off and I'll, I'll explain what I mean by off, um, being able to name it as like, the sort of nice guy persona and uh, made it easier to um, start to uncover the, the behaviors and the stories like we were talking about and the, the programming, the early childhood stuff. Um, it, it started making it easier to uncover where there was opportunity for shift and change. Um, That along with um, the awareness piece. And this was another thing I think, I think Andy, it was you who shared John Wineland talking about awareness as being sort of this core, you know, piece that women are just desiring more of from their men is just awareness. And I think that's so attached to the slowing down, stepping back, understanding what's going on. Um, and then I'll add in another buzzword, um, it, it being an integrity. So mm. saying, doing what you're, what you say you're going to do. And so what I was seeing, what I see is like a lot of nice guys saying yes to everything <laughs> mm -hmm. because to say no might mean I'm an asshole or I'm controlling or I'm mm -hmm. withholding whatever the maybe story around like toxic masculinity or whatever you want to call it might be. So let me just err completely on the side of always saying yes. And so I see these patterns of boundarylessness being needless and want, wantless, <laughs> being mm -hmm. needless and wantless, not having any needs, not having any wants, just always saying yes. And, um, and then not staying in integrity because the things you've said yes to, you had no intention of actually doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so yeah. now your partner's like, remember when you said you were going to, you know, clean the gutters? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll get to that three weeks later. Um, what about the gutters? You know? And then the, it goes from reminders to perceived or maybe very real criticism. And then you start to get these like criticism, defensiveness dynamics. And of course, now I'm going on a complete tangent, but I would say it's the, the nice guy, the awareness and the integrity. Those are the big patterns I'm seeing. And it's, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's super interesting because there's so much, there's so much beautiful self work that can be done there that is so empowering and so freeing and so like masculine and beautiful. I love that. You know, that is the, like so much of what you already named there is self-work. And then the byproduct of that self-work is a thriving relationship dynamic. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. guys, listen, listen to that. Right. Like yeah. those three, those three points, you're a nice guy. Are you aware of your surroundings? 
Can you slow things down in your body? Can you feel in the moment? And what is your integrity? What is your relationship with your integrity? So important. Ah, it I is that sound. It's so good, you know. It is. It's so good. And and you know, just like it's 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 like almost like being shown an alternate route. Like it doesn't even just have to be yes or no. It can be let me think about it. Yeah. Or it can be I don't I'm not actually interested in reading that book you shared with me because I looked into it and it's not speaking to me, but I did find a different book that's sort of in the same realm. I want to read this book. Is that okay with you? Yeah. You know? Or I'd like to do this instead. Like there's there's alternate routes and I think for a lot of um in, in the heterosexual relationships I work with, the, the female partner just wants any information. Like they don't want a yes all the time. <laughs> they just want to know what the hell's going on inside of here. What's and they the want to know, yeah. yeah, what's the truth? Yeah. And then with that information, they can make some decisions. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I think, I think we nailed a really key part there around like they want the truth. And the thing yeah. about the nice guy is that he's anything but the truth. He's only, he's only saying things so that he can get something met or that he can please somebody else because he's afraid of being rejected or something like that, right? It's not the truth. What is your truth, brother? What is your truth? Right. Well, it, you know, it kind of speaks to some of the, the people-pleasing stuff that I think a lot of um, women I work with and certainly myself as well can identify with. And I remember you know, a mentor of mine just saying, you know, people pleasing is really arrogant. And I was like, it's selfless and it's kind and it's loving. And it's like, no, because when you say yes, because you think someone else wants you to say yes, you're basically saying that, you know, what's best for that person. They, they can't handle being uncomfortable. They don't want me to say no. They don't run know, you know, what's true for me. They'll just be happier if I lie to them. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Right. Interesting persona, that nice, nice guy. Um, I think the funny, the interesting thing is the nice guy, well, everybody, not just the nice guy, but we all have needs, Mm -hmm. right? We all have needs and it's okay to have needs. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was, when I was younger in my early twenties, I had a fear of being needy. So then I would, what would I do? I would abandon all needs, no needs, Mm -hmm. but deep down inside there were needs. There always are needs. Right. And so you get validation for not having any needs, right? Yeah. Validation. Right. So it's interesting what we end up abandoning Mm -hmm. ourselves in fear of being abandoned. There's like a bit of a, uh, what is it called? Dinuqua. Is it paradox? Paradox. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Fear of abandonment at times, but abandoning ourselves because we don't want to be abandoned by others. We don't want to, that's a trap, right? That's a nice guy trap. Oh yeah. Well, and it just, to me, when you say that, it just speaks to that, the truth of being creatures of attachment. You know, that when like bombs are flying, you know, in war-torn countries, people aren't running for food and shelter. You know, they're running for other people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like sometimes, yeah, we do completely abandon ourselves. 
Absolutely. To be in, to belong. Yeah. And so we can't, we can't be like mad at ourselves for that. I don't think, you know, cause it's a, it's what, it's what keeps us alive. Yeah. But not necessarily thriving. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I have a lot moving through me right now. It's great. I'm loving this topic. Yeah. Something that's moving through me that I want to express, and this is maybe even just for the listeners too, is that if you're, you know, those three things that, that Aaron had listed off the nice guy, the awareness piece and the integrity, if you're listening to this and you feel like there's a leak in any of those three areas and you, you've just identified it just by listening to this podcast, congratulations. It's okay. Like you just, you just exercised awareness, by the way. You know, if you felt like, wow, I think I'm a nice guy. Great. We got a starting point. Oh, I think I, I think I'm out of integrity. I don't say what I do, what I'm, what I promise I'm going to say or what I say I'm going to do what I'm going to say. Okay, great. That's the starting point. So to that, I say congratulations, however uncomfortable it is for you in this moment. Yeah. I love that, Andy. Because we got to start, um, we got to start inviting people to celebrate this discomfort of realizing maybe where you're at, mm-hmm. or who you are or what, yeah. or how you've been, what you've been carrying this entire time. Mm-hmm. I, I actually, I like, I like that better. What you've been carrying this entire time versus who you are, because you, yes. if you're carrying it, that means you picked it up, but it also means you can put it down. Yeah. It's usually not yours. <laughs> If you're carrying it, it's usually it's not up. yours. If you're carrying it, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that, and it's important to I think always come back to you know these patterns, these dynamics, the things we carry, how we show up. It's not who we are; it's who we've had to be because mm. of some sort of story. You know that at one point in time we believed. Mm-hmm. And so these mechanisms, like they were helpful to us at one point in time, maybe just one time (laughs) they were helpful. And then, yeah, that like discern, like discernment, maybe even of like, yeah, what do I, what do I let go of? What do I carry? What do I keep? What do I make my own? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've said this well, you, you say this well many times already, and you've brought it up a lot in men's groups just around like, Hey, the way you were, it served you. So thank it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You've said yeah. that in men's groups before. You're like, it's okay. Like uh, this armor that you, I think, I think it was a conversation around masks and armor. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it served a purpose. And I don't know, maybe you can speak on it a little bit more, but you've said it very, you've said it a lot and you've said it really well to men in our community. Yeah. <laughs> what you guys are saying word for word is just like, is honoring the honoring the old you has brought you this far. And I always have to have compassion with myself because if not, Unuka wouldn't be Unuka if I hadn't gone through what I went through. Mm-hmm. As as whatever, like fill in the blank, but it's just like I, I 
if I could, if I could change it, then I wouldn't be the nuke sitting here. And so that's the paradox. So you, you almost have to look back, bow it. Thank you. And I'm choosing to your point, Aaron, to like, let this go. We're moving on. Hence why I always say, is there a willingness to reimagine things up to this point? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, how beautiful. Cause you can just like sit with those parts of yourself with like love and compassion and, and, and it, you know, those parts of us just want to be seen. And I think that like discomfort you were speaking to Andy is so, 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 so important. I'm, I'm a huge fan of discomfort. Like my clients laugh at me because I'm like, Ooh, pain, crisis, discomfort, fear. Yes. Like, you know, cause, cause that's where we, that's where we just like, you know, that's where we, we, we move through. Yeah. And it's, uh, and, and it's not seeking, it's not seeking chaos or seeking discomfort. It's just welcoming it. If it comes. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you guys. Cause this is something I hear so often from the men I work with and it's regarding starting to get curious about uncover sit with some of those feelings and a lot of men will speak to this sort of container this locked box where they have put the rage the anger the hurt the pain and I hear I mean I so often oh I'm not unlocking that if that opens up everything's over um you know there's this story that like if I tap into this the whole city will be burned down or you know heads will roll or I'll cease to exist and spontaneously combust um (laughs) I'm curious if you guys hear that and if you do like how do you yeah how do you support how do you support that great it's a great question <laughs> the two things that come up for me right away is I've I've said that type of verbiage before with regard to like my heart and saying like yeah my heart <laughs> putting it in the ice box when I'm going there you know and so and then the other piece is around my anger and I would say for myself the two things that have been maybe three things is one yeah if Unuqua does it by himself, heads will roll. So don't lone wolf it. Mm. Get into community because Unuqua by himself cannot handle it. Unuqua with seven other men holding him, that's different. Mm. So that's, that's one I would say. Mm. Um, the other piece I would say is um, breadcrumbs. Don't, don't like rip, like, and God bless us guys, because we're all or nothing. We're all in, you know, it's zero or it's 100, but it's like, dude, breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs, you know, a little bit at a time, because then you won't blow out your nervous system. Hence why heads will roll. Hence why you will cease to exist. Yeah, of course. You know, if you a soda can shaken up for 10 years and now you decide to open it, what do you think it's going to do? Right? So 
There's that. You know what? Those are the two I would say for sure. Breadcrumbs and get in community. Don't lone wolf it. Yeah. Love that. Really good, man. Yeah. Yeah. The breadcrumb one. I I love that one a lot. It's like, yeah, this you're on the journey, brother. You know, this is not a sprint. We're going the long distance here. It's okay. A little bit at a time. The, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, a line that I like to use with clients specifically around this breadcrumb thing, I'm just going to piggyback a little bit off Unuqua is to ask the man, what would 1% look like Mm. in this, in this, in this exploration? I'll use the word exploration, right? Like you're re you're re exploring this, this locked up part of you. Mm. It's dark. It's dungeony. There's cobwebs and there's spiders. What would 1% look like? Does that, does that mean you just unlock, but not open? Hey, I mean, come open it later. Right. Yeah. Does it mean you unlock and then you go step out of the room and then maybe you just want to put on like a nice jacket because that feels safe for you. And then you can come back in and then sit there for five minutes just to meditate on what. Great. What's whatever it is. What is the 1% forward? What's the one thing that's the 1% that you can do in this area. So I really like that, Inuqua, little breadcrumb. Yeah. Thanks guys. That's really helpful. Yeah. And I like this. I like the way you brought it up because there can be some men that are in your community, Aaron, that jump on this podcast and listen and be like, Oh, cool. And he's learning. He's, he's been learning from you and now he gets to learn from two other men that have been in the field, right? Which I love. I love that collaboration. Yeah, um, me too. I do have one addition. I do have one addition to your question. Yeah. Um, And it's it's another question that I like to ask men who bring up that, you know, there's this thing that's locked away and I don't want to go there. I like to ask the guys, what else are you keeping? What else are you keeping locked by keeping that in there? Are you withholding? <laughs> Are you withholding also an experience of ecstasy and joy in, mm. by holding this in? Mm-hmm. Could there be a possibility of that experience happening for you that you're also holding back on in life? Mm. So I leave the question in their court and be like, sit with that. What else is being locked in with that piece that you you're so afraid of revealing? Amen. Yeah. yeah. That's so beautiful, Andy, because feelings don't occur in silo. There's, you know, most of us experience mixed emotions. We experience them to the, to the height or depth that we're able to experience the sort of counter of that feeling. And I love that idea of what else might be missed. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. This conversation's been so good. <laughs> yeah i just you know i looked at the clock and i'm like what i know it's like we went another we went into another dimension or something where time well time isn't real but really <laughs> didn't feel real we're gonna, we're gonna begin to land the plane here it's like the the captain is getting on the uh the speaker the microphone saying Yinuka, go ahead you're good at this <laughs> what, would the, the spot. what would the pilot say 
Please and, uh, raise your seats into an upright position and secure <laughs> all belongings. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Well, Aaron, first you have to you have to announce who you are. Oh, this is your captain speaking. <laughs> We're beginning our descent into no man's land. There you go. Exactly. In about ten minutes, <laughs> yeah. temperature today exactly in no man's land is three <laughs> degrees, wind gusting at eleven kilometers an hour. Exactly. Low, low visibility. <laughs> low exactly. visibility. Yeah. So we're landing the plane. And want to ask uh, you, Aaron, like if somebody has, you know, dropped in with us today or right now and feels like I want to, I want to have a conversation with Aaron. I want to see if I could experience something of hers, whether that's a circle or some sort of a container going deeper. What's the step? What's the one percent step? <laughs> yeah, I love it. the one percent step. Just reach out. Just reach out. You know, um, to anyone who's interested in any of um, the work I'm doing, whether that's you know clinical counseling, uh, psychedelic integration, supporting people in non ordinary states of consciousness. Uh, just shoot me a text, a DM, an email, however you feel best communicating and we'll have a quick phone call. Amazing. We will grab your details and put that in the show notes, the description so people can easily access you. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Yunuqua. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we land here, I gotta, I gotta send you some love, Aaron. Um, because you, as a queen, whether or not you know it, you're a queen of hearts and, um, just your, your ability to hold space, your ability to lead, your ability to speak your truth and still be playful, still speak the truth, still speak wisdom is beautiful. And Andy and I have sat with you in different containers, in different situations, and you're consistent, you know, and for me and my nervous system, my masculinity, I find that very comforting. And it's, um, it just reinforces that I can be myself around you and it's potent. And so I just, if I haven't said it recently, or if I don't say it enough, I just want to reflect that back to you and keep doing what you do. Thank you, Inuko. Thank you so much. You yeah, hold space a bouse. Bouse. A bouse. <laughs> you create safety like a bouse. Yeah. Thank you I'll for your that. service. Thank you for your <laughs> service. Any, yeah, um, any last words for you that you want to share, express, so that you, f- you feel complete with, with this time together today? I just want to tell both of you that I love you both. I'm so grateful to be here on this planet with both of you at the same time we get to be alive together and we get to take this time together and not a day goes by that I don't have gratitude for that. So thank you for bringing me into your community and into your hearts and can't wait to have more adventures together. Yes. Oh yeah. In past lives, in this life, and the next. 
and the next. Yes. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Of course, guys. Thank you again for taking the time today, or maybe this took you a couple of different days or instances to finish this episode, but regardless, you've made it to the end. Thank you for taking the time to listen and support the Kings of Hearts podcast. Whether this is your first time listening to an episode or maybe this is a returning instance, all the gratitude, all the blessings to you. If this episode had made an impact for you or anybody in your life in any way, it would go a long ways to drop in a review or a rating on either Spotify or Apple Music or whatever platform you're listening to this on. That stuff goes a long way for us. And as always, if you want to join the community, get involved, participate, make sure you check out our website at kingshearts.com and see you in the next episode. Thank you.